I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Rain's Essential Geopolitics podcast. I'm Emma Kami, and I'll be your host for today's episode. North Korean cyber threat activity has heavily targeted cryptocurrency firms in recent years. In 2022 alone, these actors stole an estimated $1.7 billion in digital currency. Rain's Haley Benedict will explain this threat and how it is evolving. Welcome, Haley. Hi, Emma. Happy to be here. So what have we seen from North Korea's advanced uh, persistent threat actors in the past, and who are the major players? Yeah, so as you just went over briefly, um, one of the major things that we have seen from these groups is a tendency to target organizations, individuals to steal cryptocurrency, um, and that's being used to fund various aspects of the North Korean government at large, um, including potentially its weapons programs, which is what a lot of governments are highlighting, a lot of what they're concerned about. Um, so, for example, on April 7th, there was a joint statement from the United States, Japan, and South Korea highlighting this concern that North Korean cyber activity um, is being used to steal and launder funds as a key source to finance and support its missile program, um, as well as the government at large. But um, included in this report is a statistic which cites private industry estimates um, that North Korean cyber actors stole up to $1.7 billion in cryptocurrency funds in 2022, like you said. Um, but the major player, um, the biggest one that we've been looking at kind of their most prolific group, one that's responsible for a lot of North Korea's most disruptive cyber attacks, is Lazarus Group. So it has a number of different subgroups and spinoffs. Um, it does a lot of different things, but um, it's been around almost a decade now. Uh, some of its most famous campaigns include the 2014 Sony hack, where a lot of sensitive company and personal information was leaked, um, and then the 2016 Bangladeshi bank account attack, which stole millions of dollars. Um, but this group now also focuses a lot on cryptocurrency theft. So, for example, in 2022, there were a few high-profile attacks that were attributed to Lazarus, including um, one on Harmony's Horizon Bridge and the Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge, which both occurred in the first half of last year. Um, but Lazarus Group also still does things like espionage and other types of disruptions as well. Wow, so uh, what are we seeing from these threat actors currently? Is there anything that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so kind of what we've been seeing now from Lazarus Group, um, I talked about the Harmony Bridge um, and Axie Infinity's Ronin Bridge hacks, and they both happened in the first half of 2022, but then between then and June of this year, there weren't any major specifically crypto heists that were publicly attributed to Lazarus Group. But um, according to a recent report from the London-based blockchain analysis group Elliptic, uh, the Lazarus Group actually appears to have ramped up its operations a lot since June of this year. So in the past 100 days or so, a little bit more than 100 days. Um, so 
Since June 3rd, they've conducted four attacks against crypto entities, and they've all been confirmed by the FBI. And then now they are suspected of carrying out a fifth attack. Um, so on the first four, the very first one I mentioned was on June 3rd against Atomic Wallet, which is a centralized crypto platform, um, and users lost over $100 million there. Um, and then later in July, they targeted Coins Paid using social engineering attacks and withdrew approximately $37.3 million in crypto assets from the platform. And then on that same day, July 22nd, they carried out another high-profile attack against a centralized crypto payment provider, AlphaPo, where they stole $60 million in crypto assets. And then the fourth of those was on September 4th, um, which targeted the online crypto casino stake.com and $41 million about in a cryptocurrency was stolen there. So then most recently, the fifth attack, which Lazarus Group is suspected of, um, is against centralized crypto exchange Coinex, and it happened on September 12th, and $54 million was stolen. So a lot of this has been um, attributed to kind of private key breaches um, that happened. That's how they've been able to do it, and then also through leveraging social engineering tactics. So specifically for that in um, Ronin Bridge in the Coins Paid incidents, um, it really highlights Lazarus Group's preferred methodology, where they're using spear phishing essentially to target personnel and just steal the credentials. So have we seen any shifts in the behavior of how they're approaching these attacks, or has it been mostly consistent and, and semi-predictable? Yeah, so going back to that same elliptic report, um, these researchers are really emphasizing specifically um, for Lazarus Group some changes, where maybe in the last year they've shifted their focus from these decentralized or DeFi platforms to more centralized ones. So four of those five attacks that I mentioned just now um, hit centralized virtual asset service providers. And um, this report is also saying that it could go back to kind of what Lazarus Group focused on before 2020 um, when centralized exchanges were more their target of choice. So there are a couple reasons why this could be. Um, one is just an increased focus on security and improvements in cybersecurity on the DeFi platforms. And then another reason could be that the centralized exchanges are just more exposed to social engineering attacks, which is what the Lazarus Group is relying on. Um, so for example, the $550 million hack of Ronin Bridge from um, 2022 was attributed to a fake LinkedIn job offer. Um, but we're also talking about in the susceptibility of social engineering um, through things like spear phishing. Um, so for decentralized services, there's often smaller workforces, um, and it's also just by nature not centralized, so it's harder because of the smaller workforces and also just less advantageous to steal the credentials um, for administrative access when compared to the centralized exchanges, which have bigger workforces. So there's going to be a broader range of targets and ones that are more likely to function with centralized IT systems. So Lazarus can use that to infiltrate and steal money. Um, but beyond Lazarus and then beyond the major crypto heists, but in terms of activity that may be intended to 
still facilitate crypto theft. Um, in 2023, kind of what we've been seeing um, from the North Korean advanced persistent threat actors more broadly is kind of a shift to more heav heavily targeting IT or software companies that will enable software supply chain attacks. Um, so this kind of helps them get the biggest bang for their buck, maximize the number of victims that they can harvest um, just from one attack. So the reason why they're going for the software IT companies is because they might have some links to software or infrastructure used for crypto transactions or uh, maybe financial firms which have links to crypto transactions. Um, so, for example, in the spring, there was the 3CX supply chain attack, which was pretty big um, and was found to have been enabled by a previous supply chain attack from North Korean actors. So it's kind of confusing, but it's one supply chain attack on another supply chain attack, which um, researchers actually said was the first instance um, of something like that that they were aware of. Um, but the 3CX attack was initially reported in March and then was initiated by a prior attack on the trading software provider Trading Technologies. So that's kind of where the crypto comes in. Um, and it began when a 3CX employee installed software from Trading Technologies that had already been infected by malware um, after a previous attack on that company. Um, so then they installed a backdoor into the employee's computer. Um, hackers were able to steal the employee's credentials, and then they used it to gain access to the system. Um, and then this was attributed to a th North Korean threat actor labeled UNC4736, um, which is related to another group, Apple Juice, um, for example. So. That's one example, but then later in June, um, another state-sponsored North Korean hacking group called Labyrinth Kalama, which does have links to Labyrinth Group, Lazarus Group, um, targeted a U.S.-based IT management company called Jump Cloud, which provides access management tools to network administrators in another attempted supply chain attack. So. Several people familiar with matter here confirmed that the targeted clients were cryptocurrency firms, so the attack was more than likely planned to infiltrate those crypto firms downstream. Um, so this is probably something that we're going to see a lot more frequently going forward from these North Korean state-sponsored cyber groups, um, where they're going to continue to try and carry out the supply chain attacks to kind of cast a wider net in um, targeting these firms. So yeah, rather than just these major crypto heists, which we may still see some since uh, Lazarus is really ramping up activity, we're also probably going to see supply chain attacks as the groups hope to access multiple targets downstream. Um, and these recent attacks, we don't have enough information on them yet, but it's possible they could have even been enabled um, by different vectors like the supply chain ones. Um, future ones certainly will. Um, so yeah, there's just going to be some of these changes going forward. Um, do you know at all like if there are if or which efforts are being made by governments or by the firms themselves to mitigate the risk of these cyber threats and su supply chain crypto attacks? Yeah, so I think that um, I mentioned earlier there are the improved security and um, cybersecurity emphases on the DeFi platforms, and it will be, um, since they're relying a lot on social engineering tactics, it will be just like really rigorous employee training, making sure that they're up to date with um, all of their 
anti-phishing um, detection software, their um, employee training on the subject, making sure they're being like really vigilant and aware of what's going on there. Um, is largely what it is. And then there's there's efforts from different governments to draw attention to this um, trend that's happening with North Korean cyber threat actors and cryptocurrency. I mentioned that joint statement from South Korea, Japan, and the United States, but um, yeah, it's something that's being called out across the board, um, something the governments certainly are really aware of, and um, the firms are keeping an eye out for, hopefully, but yeah. Well, look forward to hopefully hearing some positive updates on this from you as you continue to track it. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Haley. Thanks so much for having me, Emma. For more geopolitical and economic analyses like this, um, you can subscribe to our geopolitical intelligence product, Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.